You have tuned into the Scars and Guitars podcast series and I also syndicate for the A-List online. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith and what follows is a conversation between myself and Frederick Akerson. He's in a band from Sweden. They're called Opeth. I'm sure you've heard of them. The reason for the conversation is to promote the upcoming live DVD and also CD, or the live album really I should say, called Garden of the Titans Live at Red Rocks Amphitheatre. So let's have a listen to what Frederick has to say. Here we go. The darndest things happen. I've done over 300 of these at this point, and um, look, apologies for the cars driving past me. It should be a bit quieter because it's a bit later at night here. But uh... no, no, it's no problem. I, I just heard a little You're a guitar player. I can tell it by the picture here on Skype, or a bass player. Bass player. Yeah, I do play guitar as well. But yeah, I've been a musician for um, about 25 odd years or so. Oh, right on. Um, which you know, nowhere near the heights of someone like yourself. That's for sure. I'm a covers musician. I earn a, I earn an honest living playing covers around Queensland. Uh, oh, so cool. I enjoy doing that, but uh, I, I've got to tell you, mate, too, I, I really do enjoy this uh, this new live album that you guys have released or are about to release sometime in November. This Garden Thank you. Have the, you listened to its, uh, the, the entirety, entire album? A couple of times, yeah. And, I, and, and now my first question for you is going to be, so don't take this as anything other than a question because it's exactly what it is. It sounds perfect, almost too perfect. So... My question for you is, mate, is that is there been any has there been any studio overdubs done on this, or is this exactly how it came out of the mixing desk at the actual uh, venue? No, we we I had to fix one thing actually, but initially we we I I wanted to redo one solo because mm. it was a, was a bit of a slipped note or something, but Michael said no, you can't. So um, we wanted to be a live album, but. I guess it's our fault that it sounds perfect then. But <laughs> we well, are a great band. Uh, I don't blame you for sounding perfect because you guys have put in the work. But it's, I mean, it's pristine. We, really. we didn't redo anything really, you know. Apart from one, I had a guitar that was out of tune in the, in the song uh, "Goes to Perdition" in the beginning because uh, I, I hit the strings in one certain way, and the guy, the guitar tech, tuned the guitars, hit mm. the strings in a different way. So sometimes, especially this song, is detuned. It's very delicate. As it's open tuning, and um, it was a bit out of tune, so we we figured, well, might as well just to redo that short section. It's hmm. it doesn't have to do with you played it bad or it was a mistake. It just sounds too bad, <laughs> so yeah. we just redid it. So I think that's all right. But initially, we wanted to keep it as real as it was uh, at the gig, of course, you know. Mm, yeah, well, it sounds unbelievable, and I know Fleetwood Mac have done some recording there in the past, but yours, yours, and there's a few bands actually. Not, I know Fleetwood Mac haven't released a live album from Red Rocks, but there are a few bands out there that have released them. And I actually went onto YouTube and did a bit of searching, so I can't name check any of them now. But of the stuff that I heard, yours sounds are the best. So, what were the challenges to recording and capturing a great sound at the venue? Well, the gig itself was actually quite challenging because it was zero degrees cold uh, during daytime hmm. it was warm and nice you know but i, I believe it's a, a bit of a desert climate over there so it gets really freezing uh, during night hmm. and uh, we figure no this is too cold we're not going to pull it off it was we were struggling you know playing the gig a bit zero and yeah. you can tell when, when you um, after a few songs in, it was a storm blowing up as well. When you watch the DVD, you can tell it's it's quite windy. We had this big screen in the background, 
mm. uh, showing off some footage uh, and movies along with the gig. And was our tour manager told us that it was about four guys had to hang in that, otherwise it would have blown away. Wow, okay, so was, yeah. So, but I think that creates a, a, an atmosphere to the actual DVD when you watch it. You can definitely tell a few songs within the set, into the set that it's quite windy. <laughs> mm, yeah. So, how so, did, did you did you approach the did you how did you approach playing at a gig like that? So, did you actually know that you were going to be releasing the show as a DVD and also? As a, as a recording or an MP3 or a CD as well? Or was it one of those things where you look back on afterwards and go, this is actually a special moment in time for us and we want to have it, have it out there as a special release for people? Yeah, we knew about this, of course. Uh, hmm. About four months prior to the show, our manager Andy brought up the idea and we looked up Red Rocks on the internet and we thought, yeah, it's right, this is a good opportunity because we had some... Uh, questions about doing a, a DVD mm-hmm. prior to this one, uh, but we turned it down actually because we don't want to really milk that. And it's been three studio albums since the last one, so we figured this is a good opportunity, and uh, especially doing it outdoors in a uh, classic amphitheater like Red Rocks, which is an, just an epic place. Yeah, and um, it's going to be different from the previous ones because they're all recorded indoors, and all of them are recorded in the UK actually. Yes. So we yeah. figured this is this is a good opportunity, and the band is in good shape. We've done about seventy shows now in in this uh, Sorcerer's tour, uh, so we figured, yeah, let's do it. Mm. Yeah, why not? Yeah, why not? And I think this is your second live album with the band, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah, the, the, the previous one was uh, live at the Royal Albert Hall. Mm. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And you know, the, the other thing too. Is that Opeth? They're they're a bit of a you're a bit of a rare beast as a band in that you have cr- critical acclaim, but you also have the fan base to match, and typically you get one or the other. Now, mm. the other important thing though is that fans have come on the journey from the very early death metal sounds in the '90s to the prog influence stuff, especially in the past ten years or really since your arrival. But what do you attribute the success of the band down to? Um. I think it has to do that, you know, Michael, he, he, he wouldn't, if somebody says something to him, can't you do this? He will do the opposite. <laughs> this comes, comes to, in a way, the artistic freedom. That's very important, especially talking a bit about Michael and also the band, of course, but since he's the main songwriter, mm. uh, to, do, to do what he wants and nobody can tell him what to do. And, um, and he won't care. And... Uh, I think the band is a lot about trying to push the boundaries, do something different for each album, and they're not very keen on repeating ourselves. You know, mm. that's always a, a big goal, and uh, maybe that has to do with it. You know, that we upset some people, but I think some, you know, we we still love to play the old school stuff live, but not necessarily trying to make a Black Border Park Part Two. Mm. That would be that would be a bit cheesy, really. That would be kind of sellout, actually. Yeah, I couldn't imagine you guys doing that. Yeah, you're not, you're not one of those bands that's trying to recapture past glories. You're, you're a band that's very forward-looking. And and that's a good question for you, actually. After this album here, now, I've read a few interviews with you online prior to our conversation here, but 
you probably understand that fans want a new album sooner rather than later. So are you you're working on a new album at the moment to the extent where you've actually recorded guitar solos, I was reading. So how far away is a new album from you guys? Yeah, it, there's been a lot of demos done. Um, I'm not supposed to talk too much about it, uh, I'm All afraid. Right. But um, yep. we're, I can tell you this much. We're aiming to go into the studio very soon. And... Um, we're we were really excited to go into the studio, and we're we right now we've decided where, but I can't. I don't think I'm allowed. That's <laughs> to right. Tell that either. <laughs> I don't want uh, you to get into trouble, so don't do it. Yeah, it's all right. But, yeah. But uh, there's a new album in the works, without a doubt, and uh, yeah, we have a plan. So I uh, hope people will enjoy, you know, this live DVD, and I'm more than happy to talk about more about the album with you. When yeah. the time comes, you know. No, for sure, for sure. But um, for sure, we're super excited, and I think it's we think it's going to be great. And well, that's like the first filter we have to go through. We have to feel that it's going to be great; otherwise, we wouldn't do it. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And look, just about this live album here as well. The other thing I noticed were some of the comments. I think it was on YouTube or Facebook, but people were asking about the availability of vinyl for it. So I take it there's going to be a vinyl release as well. Yeah, I have it back home. It's it's a few different releases. Like, Nuclear Glass does this um, limited versions. So this one in 350 copies, which is probably difficult to get hold on. And Fiat 500 and and thousand limited. Hmm. And there's a regular vinyl. So yeah, definitely. And I, you know, that's very important for us to, to put out the great. Uh, it's going to be on CD as well. The great vinyl. It's gate folded with a. Oh, beautiful. A lot of pictures in the inner sleeves, like uh, um, compilations of different pictures from the gig and off off the gig. And mm. we had a photographer there the entire day, took pictures backstage. And and the cover art, the artwork is always very important, of course, as well. And we, this time around, we did a little thing connected to the purple, you could say, in rock. Yeah, I saw, much, I noticed much, much that. <laughs> So that was a pretty funny idea, and it's, again, Travis Smith who did the, the artwork for Opus since it's Still Life album has done it. And, um, yeah, and the vinyl sounds great, so if you're into vinyl, I definitely recommend it. Yeah, well, look, if it sounds anywhere, it's obviously going to sound better than the MP3 because it's not going to be as compressed, but the MP3 sounds remarkable. So on a really good pair of speakers and a high-quality turntable, it would just fill a room with the beautiful music you guys created, so... I, uh, yeah, if anybody, uh, well, I intend on releasing this as a podcast, if that's okay, podcast episode. So if anybody listening wants to experience the uh, Garden of the Titans live at Red Rocks Amphitheatre, as I think you guys as the artists and musicians have intended, vinyl's the only way to really do it. Yeah, vinyl rules. <laughs> mm, it does indeed, yeah. So just about you and your career, you've been doing this a long time. I was on Wikipedia and I was looking through your history and there's far too many bands to mention that you've been a part of. But you remind me of one of those guys, a bit like, and the name's going to escape me now, the uh, the relatively new guitarist that joined Cradle of Filth a couple of years ago who could play jazz or could probably join Rihanna's band or um, Nicki Minaj's band or something like that. And I can hear you playing in the background there, which is really cool, but... When when you started out, did did you was it your intention to become a, a globally renowned musician, or did you just want to be an honest, hardworking musician who probably studied hard to get to where you needed to go to, and just wanted to have a, a career or thereabouts? So I guess I will reframe my question and say, has has your success has it been anticipated? 
Like when I was a kid growing up, I just wanted to rock, <laughs> basically. <laughs> you know, I grew up uh, like Angus Young was the first thing that got me into heavy rock music, you know. Uh, yeah. And um, I'm, I've always been like a metalhead, basically, you know, into hard rock. And yeah. my goal has always been to focus on one band. And, uh, you know, when I was younger, I didn't go to college. I quit after ninth grade and I started working at a factory to buy my first Marshall amp, basically. And then when I was about 19, I got my first gig with a band called Talisman, which was yep. Mar- Jeff Scott Soto on vocals and Marcel Jacob. Well, they yeah. were a generation older than me. And I was a little kid, you know, I got that gig and I managed to, because my dad told me that if, if you have your chance up till 19 to make it professionally, otherwise you will have to go study and just when I was 19 I got that gig <laughs> so it was kind of strange uh, it was great you know it was a great experience and um, I was probably very immature and everything but I learned a lot from Marcel he was a great technical player and it was a bit more melodic hard rock stuff but had a lot of solos and stuff and I was totally into to guitar heroes and all that stuff like I was heavily into Michael Schenker Gary Moore and the nice Ulyon Roth, uh, Frank Marino, yeah, the list goes. Edwin Halen, Ingvar Monstein, a lot of people. The master, uh, yeah. Jeff Beck, and uh, yes, but uh, of course, you always try to listen to different types of music, trying to understand some about like jazz theory, uh, getting into depth of blues and stuff like that. The stuff that I still work on, and I think it's important, even if you're only playing with a heavy band, that you. Get inspiration from different types of music. Indeed, yeah. You know, in, instead of looking looking at the neighbor, what, he, what he's doing, so yeah. to speak. So, but uh, in a way, I'm, my, the main bands I've been playing with since, like, we started with Talisman, then I was in this band called Crux, which is a doom metal band with members from Entombed and Candlemas. Oh, nice, yeah. And uh, which is more like epic doom metal, kind of dirty, but it's pretty cool. It's three albums out there called Crux, K R U X. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was in, um, I had my own band called Southpaw for a while, uh, which didn't, it didn't much, much didn't happen with it. We played, we opened up for DU actually, four gigs in Sweden, that's about it. And hmm. We kind of got ripped off by some company and yeah, it didn't sell anything anyways, but, but uh, mm. it was quite an interesting album. And after that, I was in, in the band called Tiamat for a while, but I was yeah. only mainly touring, you know, I wasn't really, really part of the band. Uh, but, and after that, I was, uh, as a lot of people probably know, I was in Arch Enemy yeah. for one and a half year. And after that, pretty much just a couple of months after that, Michael called me and joined, asked me to join the Opeth. Mm. which was, uh, you know, the best that could have happened to me because I was a fan of the band. And since then, I've been able to focus on just one band. And, and that's that's been my goal all the time. Yeah, it's been a, a bit of prog- a progression there. But uh, something else, your success alludes to something that I've spoken to a number of Swedish musicians about. But I think that Sweden has produced more rock and metal musicians than per head per capita than any other country I think so there's two good I really enjoy your playing and I'm not just saying that because I'm talking to you I genuinely do I I enjoy listening to your solos and anticipating when they're coming particularly on the last album that you guys released and there's another fellow 
There's another fellow from Sweden, Marcus Jadell, who you mentioned Candlemas, so he does a lot of work with Leif Edling in um, the Doomsday Kingdom, and he's got Avatarium. Yes. I'd love to see like a Swedish guitar invasion show happen. You know how the um, the G3 thing happened with Satriani and Vi and Steve Lukather and those guys. Yeah. I'd love to see you guys in Sweden do something similar and bring it to people because I, I actually think people would turn up because there's you got okay there's the obvious one there's Ingve of course but then there's yourself there's Marcus and there are you know the the guys are the guys in Arch Enemy are they Swedish or are they English I know that I know the band they're originally. Swedish Swedish there you but go I mean Mike, Michael Amott is uh, his dad is from the UK but he, he grew up in Sweden as far okay. as I know and yeah he lives in Sweden so yeah yeah it's, yeah it's a bit of both yeah well, I guess the it, the point still stands, though, that there are some r- truly remarkable musicians from Sweden in, in heavy metal and rock and roll. Has that ever come up after, you know, your eighth beer, that sort of thing? Hey, why don't we get together and take some of our guitar sounds to the world? That's a, that's a pretty cool idea, actually. I might might think about that. <laughs> I'd love to see it. And as I say, I, I actually think people would want to see it because it's... You know, there's this whole globalization thing these days where it's, uh, you know, people are sort of moving away from homogenous cultures and the like, but a lot of that sort of stuff's still really cool. You know, big Swedish flag in the background, you guys getting up on there and just rocking out and doing your thing. Um, there'd certainly be an That's audience a cool idea. Here. I mean, I, I went to see the G3 tour once in Copenhagen in Scandinavia and in Denmark, apparently. And at that particular time was Joe Satriani, Michael Schenker and John Ulleroff. And that was just... Mm. The dream lineup for me, and it was amazing. But um, speaking of Swedish guitar players, I'm actually in this film, a movie called Axe Men of Sweden. If you want to check it out, it's on YouTube. Aha, uh-huh. I am going to check um, it out. John Norum is in it, and some uh, a few jazz guys, uh, and also Per Nilsson from Scar Symmetry also stepping in for Frederick Thorndahl in Meshuggah, by the way. Well, it's also like a shred monster. Well, there's another one. Yeah, actually, I've just found it now. So it's a two and a half hour film. That's that's fantastic. Yeah, it's a yeah. it's a it's a long movie if you're a guitar nerd. But there's some playing in it. I, I do some playing and it's done a few years back. But it's a very long movie. Yeah, there you go. Sorry. You got you got twenty k twenty thousand views on on a, a minute twenty segment of that's taken from the film for you there. That's great. Okay. I didn't, I didn't, didn't know even that. know that existed. So there you go. Yeah, there's a little. Guitar nerdery for you. <laughs> well, somebody else is thinking the same way I'm thinking, but uh, mate, I'd better let you go to your next one. Hey, I think I've only got the twenty minutes, haven't I? Um, oh, um, I, yeah. If you have one more question, that's fine. You. Know. Yeah, go. one more. So uh, we've talked about Sweden. Let's talk about Australia. So uh, you played the Opera House last year, I think yeah. it was, and and I think every, <laughs> you probably could have done that seven nights in a row and sold it out. Because such was the demand for tickets. But what was that experience like? I was quite amazing. I'm happy that we managed to do a special gig for that event. We played this longer set list, uh, almost three hours. And, you know, thinking back, it's quite overwhelming that with the support we got, it was sold out in a couple, just a couple of days, I believe. So um, mm. and it was a special special gig. I will, I will never forget it, you know. To play there it was amazing and the crowd was great and even though it's seated and everything it's it's framed a little different um, than a regular gig sort of speaking but uh, um, the audience was great and I, I think the acoustics in there are probably awesome 
yeah, thanks for that, Australia. Really. Yeah, look, I, I, I tried to get tickets, and actually, I'm, as I say, I'm in Queensland, and so I tried to fly down for it, but tickets were, were snapped up very quickly, I think, within a couple of hours, as a matter of fact. Hopefully, we can, hopefully we can play it one more, one time more, and maybe several dates, you know. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to see you guys do um, a bit of a chamber, I call it chamber or opera tour, so to speak, in all of the major capital cities here in Australia. I hope, I hope a, a promoter or arranger can approach your management and try to organise that because people would turn up to it. The music okay. suits that, I think, even more than it does a regular venue, you know, a three or 4,000 capacity venue at this point in time. I think, I think you graduated to the next level where you even get season's ticket holders turning up out of curiosity. Oh, cool. Okay. That was a fantastic experience, you know. Hmm. Yeah. Well, it's been a pleasure chatting to you. Congratulations on an excellent career to date. You're one of those guitarists that I've uh, sort of had you on a bucket list, actually, and I thought, yeah, well, when the next time an Opeth opportunity comes up to have a chat, sometimes we get a choice about who we talk to or try and get a chat to you. But as it is, John down there in Wollongong organised everything, and, and uh, thankfully he, was managed, he, got, he got you. So I'm grateful for the opportunity to have a chat, mate. So congratulations again, and uh, good luck with this album and everything in the future. Thanks a lot, Andrew. And a pleasure just talking to you. And uh, and take care. No worries, mate. Thanks very much. Cheers. Okay, cheers. You have been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series, and I also syndicate for the A-List online. My name's Andrew McKay-Smith, and that was a conversation with Frederick Akerson, the guitarist in long-running Swedish medalers, Opeth. Thank you so much for listening.